We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, folks? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. This week's episode is, as always, sponsored by our friends at TickPick, which should be your first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging service fees ever. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Striking Gold podcast and the Blue Wire Network. My name's Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers. And welcome back to Striking Gold, folks. Uh, I hope you had a great week. It is, for me, Thursday evening, uh, currently watching the Minnesota Vikings, for lack of a better term, cover up the kids' ears, kick the shit out of the Texans, or excuse me, the Steelers right now. It is rough, rough, rough. The Minnesota Vikings, I just sounded like a dog, but let's move on. The Minnesota Vikings are beating the Steelers 29-7, to and why is that important? Because the Vikings are right behind the 49ers in the playoff seeding. Eh, technically not right behind the 49ers. 49ers currently on the seventh seed. Eagles are right behind them with the eighth seed. And the Vikings are right behind them. The Vikings are about to be tied with the Eagles when they win this game. They'll both be six and seven. The 49ers are six and six. So uh, no breaks from here on out. We'll talk a little bit more about playoff seeding uh, and how it's looking for the 49ers towards the end of this episode. Let's get started off with just a shred of positivity. You know, weird thing about this week, just a pretty low-key week for the 49ers. No weird headlines, no huge news. You know, maybe a, a, a below-average flow of 49ers news coming through the airwaves. It just seemed like, like when I went to hop on the pod, I was like, what has happened this week? Uh, I don't know. They're going to play the Bengals. So I guess we'll talk a little bit about that. But just was one of those weeks where, you know, a rare week for the 49ers when they don't provide you just anything and everything to talk about. We've joked about that on, on this pod before with KP, with Croc, because 49ers just always finding ways for uh, for us to talk about. And finding things for us to talk about would be a better way of saying that. And this week was just a little bit less than we're used to. Maybe I guess I'm spoiled. I guess I'm spoiled. Let me click out of this uh, 
I don't want to stare at the little ESPN scroller of the Vikings game and get rid of that. Um, a little bit of positivity for you. Fred Warner is back. He was, you know, making his his push to play against the Seahawks. You know, he was listed as doubtful heading into that game. Uh, Fred Warner, apparently, per Kyle Shanahan, was just really pushing uh, the coaches to let him play. They chose not to. He sat out against the Chiefs. Or, why do I keep saying Chiefs? Um, he sat out against the Seahawks, and obviously we we saw how that happened. Uh, didn't go well for the 49ers. Uh, it was, you know, we're still, I'm sure the, that loss still staying for a lot of people. It's been a, the topic of a lot of conversations uh, throughout the week. A lot of Jimmy Garoppolo, a lot of Trey Lance stuff. It, it was just, it just was, I mean, because sum it up, it just was not a pretty win for the 49ers. We, we saw that. There was just so much wrong with it. The special teams shit the bed in a big way. The defense made all kinds of dumb mistakes. Jimmy Garoppolo played horrible. It was just a pretty all-around bad, bad game. When, I mean, when, when a bad Seahawks team, no way around that. We knew it was going to be competitive because it was a division game against the Seahawks um, at their stadium. But when a bad team about, like the Seahawks drops 30 points on you, you know you did something wrong. So, you know, coming off that game, you would expect maybe more to be talked about, maybe something m- more dramatic happened. But I, I it, it almost seemed like the 49ers just kind of, um, you know, hunkered down and, and fixed what they need to fix because the 49ers are in a position now, especially after losing that game, they could afford to lose that game when it came, when it comes to – comes to playoff seating, but now they're at a point where they really have very, very, very little margin for error if they want to have a chance at the playoffs. And to go beyond that, I, I, I told myself I wasn't going to talk about playoff stuff until later in the episode, but we can talk about it now, whatever. What good are the playoffs if you know your team is just a pretender? You know, so the 49ers should be looking beyond just trying to make the playoffs. They need to try and fix some of their deeper issues, like some of Jimmy Garoppolo's decision, like the special teams. We'll talk about the, the, the parts of the defense later. So, you know, the, the the act of talking about the playoffs is exciting. But for the 49ers, it, it just doesn't matter if you're not going to take steps to develop into a team that can possibly go all the way and right now there's just no way we can think that about the 49ers if they're just going to go out and lose to a then three and eight Seattle Seahawks team Um, so having Fred Warner leader of the defense him next to Aziz Alshair who he really has emerged is just a critical part of the uh, of the 49ers defense you go back to the Seahawks game uh, Alshair had 15 total tackles a half a sack a quarterback hit, a tackle for loss, and a forced fumble. One of the more prominent games we've seen from a 49ers linebacker in a while. And, you know, knowing that you've got him emerging, he was able to play really, really well in Fred Warner's absence. Now you get him next to Fred Warner. You know, that's a big deal. That's 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 a big, big boost for the middle of that defense. And they are going to need it against somebody like the Bengals. And we'll get into that a little bit later. But to continue on with, uh, with the injury news, um, I, I realized I kind of briefly started talking about the playoff stuff, but you guys get what I mean. It's just every time I mention playoffs, it, it's it's cute, but the 49ers have a lot of work to go before we can even talk about them competing with playoff teams. And 
They did that against the Rams, but that's kind of shows off that weird Rams relationship and the weirdness of division games. And that same thing can be said about the Seahawks game. You would think that 49ers team would be capable of just destroying the Seahawks and, and the way they've been playing this season, but uh, they didn't. They they handed it to him on a silver platter. So to continue on, a little bit of injury stuff here. Some of it is positive. Some of it's not. I'm sorry. Uh, Jeff Wilson Jr. A little bit of voice crack there. I'm sorry. I apologize for that. Jeff Wilson Jr. is practicing, practicing in full, which is somewhat surprising. He's not listed on the injury report as limited. Uh, he came out against – he really only played in, in the first couple series against the Seahawks. Might have been the first series just the first series, and he came out of the game with some knee irritation, which is very, very, very common for meniscus tears. Any kind of tear that players are constantly going to deal with irritation and swelling, you just don't want it to be too bad. You have to try and manage it until your knee kind of fully heals and embraces the changes that had to be made. Well, Jeff Wilson Jr., dealing with some soreness, but he is practicing. I'm I'm assuming that he will be playing – uh, against the Bengals, which is good because the 49ers are really short on running backs. We'll talk about that more in a little bit. Um, but Jeff Wilson Jr. practicing, taking part. Hopefully his knee holds up. I mean, obviously we know how talented he is. Uh, he'd be a great compliment next to Elijah Mitchell, but more on him in a little bit. These are all the players that did not practice in Thursday's practice. And I would say that all of these players are trending towards not playing against the Bengals on Sunday. Running back Trenton Cannon, who suffered a nasty concussion against the Seahawks, uh, spent the night in the hospital and then made his way back to Santa Clara. Glad he's okay uh, in relative sense. Linebacker Dre Greenlaw, dealing with that groin injury that he suffered, you know, within the first, you know, he came back from that injury and then right away he was he was back out again. So we're we haven't really been given an update on that. We'll see how things go with him. I don't expect him to play against the Bengals. Same thing for defensive lineman Mo Hurst, who's missed missed about I, I believe we're coming up on five or six weeks now from that calf injury. And it's still still he tried to come back in and apparently he suffered a little bit of a setback. He's not been practicing. Doubt he's playing against the Bengals. Uh, another tough one is running back Elijah Mitchell, who has been the powerhouse of the 49ers backfield. He suffered uh, a, a scary in the fact that – so I'm sure a lot of you guys on social media have seen the clip of Elijah Mitchell. He was kind of fighting for extra yards. I put it out there a couple times. Fighting for extra yards uh, actually was down. They called him down. So at the time, he was down, and he was the, – the play should have been blown dead, but it happened really quick. Um, and a Seahawks linebacker comes in and – elbow slash shoulder to the head of Elijah Mitchell. And it looked like it knocked him unconscious and he was evaluated for a concussion concussion and allowed to go back into the game. But then the next day started feeling concussion symptoms. He's officially in the concussion protocol and he's dealing with a, a little bit of knee soreness. There's no particular injury there, but he's dealing with some knee soreness. So, you know, hopefully things kind of turn towards the better for Elijah Mitchell, but I don't think it's going to happen before the Bengals. And then you have a big loss here, cornerback Emmanuel Mosley, who suffered a high ankle sprain against the Seahawks. That'll obviously probably keep him out a number two, three, four weeks. And that's rough. We'll get we'll get into that a little bit more later. And last but certainly not least, uh, despite Shanahan seeming optimistic, seeming hopeful that he would be back at practice, wide receiver Debo Samuel is still working out uh, on the side, off the field, uh, working out and kind of moving around. Doesn't seem like he's going to be a part of the Bengals game either. 
Uh, obviously, if I didn't say he has a groin injury, same groin injury that kept him out against the Seahawks. Uh, so we'll see with Debo Samuel. I, I don't expect him to play, but you never know. Sometimes, uh, sometimes teams use these injury reports as a competitive advantage, but we'll find out tomorrow. Usually tomorrow is when Kyle Shanahan kind of confirms who's out, who might be doubtful, questionable. So we'll see there. Keep an eye out for that. And then you have D Ford, who is still on injured reserve, and you know what seemed like it. <laughs> I guess we do this; we've done this for a few years now. What seemed like might be a season where D Ford could have a legit impact. You know, participated in quite a bit of training camp and started the season off kind of you know seemingly pretty strong. And unfortunately, that back injury has flared up again, and he's kind of just on the back burner. And we'll see what happens with him. Uh, definitely not expecting him to to come out of in. Uh, injured reserve and play against the Bengals to make up for the lack of running backs, because technically right now running back to Michael hasty is the only healthy back for the 49ers. They decided to add Brian Hill. Uh, Brian Hill has spent some time on quite a few teams. I believe I've got his stats up here. Yes, I do. Uh, he started out with Atlanta and Cincy in 2017, and then he spent 18, 19 and 20 in Atlanta. And he has built up a solid career for himself. When the 49ers added him, I'm genuinely surprised that I'm genuinely surprised that he's not on a roster right now. When you take a look at his size, you know, he's 6'1, 220, big back. You take a look at his numbers. If you look at his career, his four year career, he's had 209 carries for 982 yards and three touchdowns. That's 4.7, just under five yards a carry. He's also had 38 catches for 313 yards in a score as well. So, I mean, really, really solid numbers for a running back. Obviously, just hasn't been in the league very long. Uh, I guess four years is, is above the average, if you didn't know that. for an, I believe the average NFL career is three and a half years. But, you know, a good addition. Uh, I believe technically he's been added to the practice squad. But I do expect him to get promoted to the active roster for the game. and. You never know. Could he could have a meaningful impact? He's he's had a solid career for himself statistically. There could be other things at work there that as as for reasons that he's not in the league, but impressive. Looking forward to seeing uh, if he has any impact in the game. So let's. I mean, that's it for injuries. Nothing too terribly serious, but you know, definitely some impactful things in there. Debo Samuel was is essentially established himself as as the man in the 49ers offense. But the 49ers seemed like they were still moving the ball pretty well uh, without him against the Seahawks. We'll see if that's the same story against a slightly better defense in the Bengals. Emmanuel Mosley is the biggest name on that injury report. And him being absent really kind of puts the 49ers corners in an even tough, tougher spot than they already were. You know, There's no denying that the, the, the 49ers corners are really kind of stretched thin. You know, it's it's getting to that point. We knew going into the season that it could get to that point. We talked about it a lot on this podcast. And as much as I was a fan of Jason Verrett and everything he brought last year and just everything about his story, you knew that relying on him to, to stay healthy was just not a good bet. And sure enough, it, it didn't pay off. And now the 49ers are kind of scrambling to make it work. So, you know. Where are we at in the pod? About 13-minute mark. You know what? Let's get in a quick word from our friends over at TickPick. We'll knock this out, and then we get back. We'll talk about a little bit about, you know, a little bit of Jimmy Garoppolo, a little bit of Trey Lance, a little bit of – and then we'll break down kind of the 49ers and Bengals matchup and where we might see – 
the 49ers take advantage of the Bengals and the other way around. So we'll uh, we'll get to that here in a little bit. 49ers football is back. They're in the playoff hunt. As ugly as it looked against the Seahawks, there's still a chance. You know this. There's no need, also no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find 49ers tickets. TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site, and the only one you'll ever need is your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all NFL tickets. If you don't believe it, if you can find a better price for some other seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. Say that again. If you can find the same seats somewhere else for cheaper, TickPick is going to pay the difference and give you a little extra. Get up in there. 49ers only have two home games left against the Falcons and the Texans. Be a part of those things. Jump on TickPick.com slash gold today, and you're going to save 10 bucks on your first order of 49ers tickets. One more time, that's TickPick. T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K dot com slash gold, as in striking gold, and you're going to save 10 bucks on your first order. Get on there. Get in it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. All right. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. So before we hop into the Bengals, one of the biggest fact- X factors against the Bengals is going to be one one Jimmy Garoppolo. We know that. I mean... We've just we've come <laughs> we've come to appreciate it. We know it. I mean, we watched Jimmy Garoppolo against 
a bad Seahawks secondary throw for two ugly interceptions. Now, former 49ers safety Dante Whitner got on his Twitter account to break down these assumptions, these uh, these interceptions, and I thought it was very enlightening. Um, the the I'll, you know I'm going to mention the second one first. The second one, Seahawks were in cover three. If you don't know where cover three is, it just means the both corners are responsible for their deep third of the field, and then you have a safety in the middle who's responsible for his deep middle third. Seahawks were in cover three. The 49ers were kind of attacking that on, on multiple levels. You had Ayuk on the left running kind of a, an out route. You had Brandon Ayuk looked like he was almost running kind of like a post corner uh, right inside of him. Uh, and, and you could see how that would take advantage of cover three because if the, the corner on Ayuk's side bites on that 10-yard out route, which is right on that verge of what a corner that's covering a deep third should be worried about, then that post corner is going to wrap right behind that corner, and that's where you'd hit. And I believe they also had Kittle coming from the right slot. Sherfield was in the left slot. I believe Kittle was kind of running a post. Um, also kind of taking advantage of, of blending those those lines. If the safety follows the post corner over with Sherfield, then that leaves a gap for Kittle. You know, you can see how the play that was called was meant to take advantage of the scheme. I know that maybe you guys aren't aren't envisioning this like I am. Right now I'm moving my hands all around, typical coach motion. But, you know, and you had a couple different options that were available to Jimmy Garoppolo that he didn't take. Um, he didn't. You had the 10-yard out to Ayuk, 10 to 12-yard out to Ayuk. Uh, he had a little bit of separation there. That was a choice. If he would have been a little bit more patient, he had the post corner to Elijah Mitchell, or excuse me, not Elijah Mitchell, to Trent Sherfield coming wide open. Um, that was a late developing route, though. You got to realize that. A lot of people are like, look how open Sherfield is. And you're talking about a post corner. You know, the receiver runs straight about seven to eight yards, turns towards the post, towards the middle at an angle, and then breaks down and comes back towards a corner. So that route takes a little while. But yes, it was open. Instead, he tried to force it uh, to Kittle. Now, in Seattle's defense, the reason this – a big reason why this interception took place, one, Jimmy Garoppolo trying to force it into George Kittle. Two, the Seahawks linebackers got great depth in their drops. And Dante Whitner mentioned this. That's – I mean, that's very important. If if the Seahawks linebackers hadn't gotten great depth in their drops, then Jimmy Garoppolo would have been fine just kind of putting it over their heads and hitting George Kittle on the chest – Maybe because Jimmy Garoppolo overthrows everybody, so maybe the same play still happens. Uh, instead, they got good depth. Jimmy Garoppolo had to put it over them even higher. Uh, it went over George Kittle and right into the arms of Quandre Diggs right in the middle. If Jimmy Garoppolo would have been a little bit more patient, he would have had Trent Sherfield coming over on the deep left because the corner on the left sucked up to the Brandon Ayuk route. Um, I believe there was also a check down that Kyle Shanahan talked about. I didn't look at that. I wonder if I could actually pull this off and look at it like right now, but I don't want to waste your guys' time. You don't need to sit here and listen to me like try and search videos and stuff. Okay. Here's the second interception. And I'm just going to see, cause as um, Kyle Shanahan did mention the check down and yes, he does have one. I can't necessarily tell who it is. Let me look closely. Yep. And every other, everything else I described to you was, was kind of happening. Yep. Okay. Okay, the only thing I think I maybe got wrong 
Trent Sherfield was not running a post corner. He was kind of running a mirroring Kittle's route, but the safety didn't respect that and, and kind of let Elijah Mitchell go. Same kind of it put the it put the same players in the same space is the way I was I was describing it. The route that uh, Trent Sherfield ran was still meant to take advantage of the cornerback coming up on Ayuk. Um, so there was a check down. I can't tell who what it was. There was about a ten yard route that was wide open underneath, and that's what Kyle Shanahan said. So that's the interception that I don't fault Jimmy for as much. Bad decision. Take the check down. Be a little bit more patient find the the deeper route to Trent Sherfield, but that's the interception that I don't fault Jimmy Garoppolo for as much. I'm not saying it's not his fault. They're both pretty bad interceptions, but the first interception was bad, bad. I didn't like it at all. It was a play action pass meant to take advantage of the way basically the entire linebacking core was almost lined up in man-to-man. You had, you know, somebody on Kittle, somebody on the running back, somebody. So it, it kind of took advantage of, of how everybody would be moving, trying to get to their guy. They each had a spot that they kind of, you could tell the defense, kind of, each had a spot where they felt like each guy was going to go to. And initially, Bobby Wagner's guy was the running back, Elijah Mitchell. Jimmy Garoppolo snaps the ball. Well, Alex Mack technically snapped the ball. Jimmy Garoppolo got it. <laughs> and he Jimmy Garoppolo gives an absolutely piss-poor piss play-action fake to Elijah Mitchell. This instantly releases Bobby Wagner from his responsibility of coming up and stopping the run. And he knows... Elijah Mitchell is instantly not going to be in a route that he needs to worry about. So what does he do? He just takes a few steps backwards. Give in mind, this whole thing is taking place right in front of Jimmy Garoppolo, right in the middle of the defense. Bobby Wagner sees that it's a pass, sees that he doesn't need to worry about Elijah Mitchell anymore, takes a few steps back, and Jimmy Garoppolo, who... If, if Jimmy Garoppolo would have sold the play action and really sucked that ball up into Elijah Mitchell's stomach and and really sold it, then maybe Bobby Wagner's not there, but he doesn't. He barely does the play action. It just it, it might have been a miscommunication miscommunication between him and Mitchell. And he steps up and then just throws this like it almost looked like Jimmy Garoppolo saw Bobby Wagner at the very last second, like as the. You ready? Showtime on May third. Summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ball was leaving his fingertips because there, it didn't even look like there was juice on the ball. It looked like, like Jimmy Garoppolo, as he was throwing, it was like, oh shit, and there it goes. And he threw it right to Bobby Wagner. And the problem with the throw was had it wasn't that he threw it to Trent Sherfield coming across the middle. It's that if he would have waited another split second, he could have hit Trent Sherfield in the second window. He and what's weird is Jimmy Garoppolo didn't even hit Trent Sherfield in the first window. He like looked at him too long until he came in what I would what I would almost call the window and a half, you know, like in between two windows, you know, window nine and three quarters. And Trent Sherfield hadn't cleared Bobby Wagner, so Jimmy Garoppolo just throws it right to him and it's a pick. If Jimmy Garoppolo would have waited maybe a split second to throw that pass the 49ers probably would have had a touchdown. I don't know who the receiver is running a deep route on the right, but the corner is following him. Again, it's man-to-man. The corner's following him. And when you're playing man-to-man and that receiver runs by you, you turn towards the receiver. Because you're playing man-to-man, the only thing you're worried about is your guy. If you're playing zone, usually you turn towards the quarterback because you're kind of trying to keep an eye on the quarterback, the zone, and your receiver. Challenging stuff. Well, the corner that was on that side of the field that Trent Sherfield has running towards after crossing from the other side of the field was wide open. The, uh, the safety, I believe it's Quandre Diggs, does see the route, but he's kind of moving towards it a little uh, slower than Trent Sherfield is running. And the corner that's also over there is turning running with his man. So you're either talking about a maybe a 30 to 40-yard play or a touchdown if Trent Sherfield, who we know is hella fast, could outrun the safety. And maybe, you know, maybe that corner that's following the receiver gets involved. But again, they're in man coverage. He's not even looking at the play yet. Obviously, when he knows the balls go somewhere else, he's going to turn around. But so this, you know, what was a massive play, what was a massive play, turns into an, an interception that. I believe they scored points off of. Let me see that. Let me check the scoring position. I believe they scored. Maybe maybe this wasn't the one that resulted in a an interception. Let me see. No, they missed the field goal. I think that's the one where they had the huge tackle for loss and Nick Bosa did crazy shit. But it really doesn't matter. You're talking about such a massive swing. In, in what's supposed to happen. And these are the types of plays that have to drive Kyle Shanahan absolutely apeshit. You know, you're starting it off with a shitty play-action pass, which in turn allows the linebacker to know that it's not a run and get into his drop. And Jimmy Garoppolo can't see that and doesn't wait until the second win. And even Kyle Shanahan said in the press conference it was a second window throw. Jimmy Garoppolo throws it in window nine and three quarters, one and three quarters. Uh, right to Bobby Wagner. If he would have waited half a second more and thrown it, it would have been 40 yards at least. And, you know, that this that's that Kyle Shanahan, it, it blows my mind that Kyle Shanahan sees this shit and remains so steadfast in support of Jimmy Garoppolo. Because you're talking about a play caller that is called a play that just is absolutely taking advantage of the Seahawks defense. And Kyle Shanahan knows that. But yet it can never come to pass because Jimmy Garoppolo just decides to do some dumb shit. 
You know, and that's got to be frustrating for Kyle Shanahan. And it's not that Trey Lance wouldn't make this mistake or wouldn't make other mistakes. We know he would, but it's just these mistakes are already being made with the veteran quarterback that probably shouldn't be making them, who spent four years in this offense. You know, like, eh, I, man, Kyle Shanahan, maybe he has more patience than I think he is. You know, and, and that leads me to my next question. You know, does a does a bad game from Jimmy Garoppolo against the Bengals bring in Trey Lance? Anybody listening out there? <laughs> I say that like there could be nobody, but I mean, you know, maybe there's a few of you. Anyway out there, if you're listening to this, feel free to answer it out loud. Does a bad game from Jimmy Garoppolo against the Bengals bring in Trey Lance? Does he... Does Kyle Shanahan start to give it thought? Does it happen? Or does Kyle Shanahan just continue to protect Jimmy Garoppolo and what we can only believe is the hopes of keeping his stock manageable so that they can trade him in the offseason, which I don't... I mean, it's not that I don't think the 49ers can trade Jimmy Garoppolo. It's just that I don't think anybody's going to give up what... what I don't think anybody's going to give up enough to make it worth putting off Trey Lance's development. I know the, I mean, there were the rumors that the 49ers are seeking a first. I even said recently, I didn't think that was that crazy. And I still don't. If a quarterback's good, then you should give up a first round pick for him. Unless you're in like the top 10, you know, in play for a, a premier quarterback. And this draft class kind of sucks for quarterbacks, by the way. Unless you're in a position to draft a stud rookie, I don't think you should be afraid to give up a first-round pick for a quarterback. They just have such a monumental impact on whether or not you win. And when you don't win, people get fired and people lose their jobs and players get cut. So, I mean, I I'm, I wouldn't, if I were a GM, I'd never hesitate to give a first-rounder for what I felt was a good quarterback. Kind of like, you know, I don't know. You know, it's like, look at the the Colts who traded for Carson Wentz, like, they gave up quite a bit. What people felt, I don't even remember what the trade was, but I do remember the people were like, "Damn, they gave up. Maybe they gave up more than I would have." And that shit's worked out, and for the most part. So I just would never. I guess the point I'm trying to make is I would never be afraid to take a little bit of a risk if I thought it was for a good quarterback that already shown me he could be good. Well, Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't really shown you that. He's shown you he could be good sometimes, but he can he's shown you can also be shitty sometimes. And that is the Jimmy Garoppolo roller coaster. It's not even really that fun to ride. You know, the only bonus is the jawline. And it, it it's like at this point, I mean, and, and my, my buddy Eric Crocker over at Locked On 49ers, formerly Striking Gold, uh, he made a great point the other day. He's like, could the 49ers have been 6-6 six and six with Trey Lance? Could have. Could they have been? Yeah. Yeah. But even if they, they weren't, you would know that now whatever record they were, was coming with the additional bonus of Trey Lance getting snaps developing in the NFL. The 49ers are 6-6 six and six with Jimmy Garoppolo, who's the $25 million starting quarterback. That's supposed to give you the bonus of a veteran that knows the system. And I'm not really feeling that. I mean, I know that I, I don't want this to seem too reactionary because Jimmy Garoppolo is playing pretty good. Until the Seahawks game where he played shitty, shitty. <laughs> and there's there's your Jimmy Garoppolo roller coaster. And he started out the season kind of shitty. And then he played pretty good. And now he got shitty. Is he going to play shitty against the Bengals? This is what I mean. Like, 
it, I feel like we could have the same con- we'd be having the same conversations about Trey Lance, except you you would at least have a reason for that because he's a rookie quarterback, brand new, hasn't played football in like two years. Give him a chance; he's going to get better. I, I I think you know that that would be the conversation if it were Trey Lance, but it's not. It's Jimmy Garoppolo, and it just is getting kind of old, you know. And and you know the only payoff down the road. For Jimmy Garoppolo is what they could possibly trade him for, which doesn't seem like much. And then you're like, well, Trey Lance could have had all those reps. But again, I don't want to assume the 49ers would be six and six with Trey Lance. They what if they were better? You could assume that just as easy as you could assume it would be worse. You know, you can't just base that off of one Trey Lance game against the Cardinals, in which he was given a week of starting reps. And then get out there. Good, go for it, man. Play one of the best teams in the NFL. And it came down to the final drive. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of getting off on a tangent here. I know the question was, does a bad game against the Bengals you know, bring Trey Lance into the picture? I believe it should. Do I believe it will? No. Because Jimmy Garoppolo and John Lynch are being really stubborn around this whole Jimmy Garoppolo thing. So, I don't know. It's just kind of... Now, let's get, in, let's get into 49ers-Bengals. It's an interesting matchup. I really believe it is. They're both good teams. Uh, I kind of walked that back a little bit. <laughs> the, the Bengals are 7-5. and five. 49ers are 6-6. Six and six. That's only a one-game difference. They're both decent teams. We'll give them that. We'll give them that. But I feel like it's a it's a good ma- good even matchup. I, I don't feel like one team clearly has the edge. There are some advantages, some disadvantages for sure. But when you're talking about a team as a whole, you know, I can't call it. I think Las Vegas betting odds has this pretty even as well, if I'm not mistaken. Kind of like, you know, what they call a pick'em. So I don't know. I don't know. All right, so let's break it down a little bit more in detail. The Bengals defense. Let's start there. 49ers offense versus the Bengals defense. The Bengals defense presents a kind of an interesting matchup for the 49ers. In the same way that the Seahawks do. Did. And it doesn't necessarily bode well for the 49ers. I'll tell you why. The Bengals defense is in the bottom 10 in the NFL. The not good part in yards allowed. They've allowed a lot of passing yards. Now, they're, the yards they give up per catch and the number of touchdowns they've given up through the air, not bad. Right around the middle of the league. Not bad. Okay. But they've given up a ton of big plays. A ton of big plays. I believe the fifth worst. They've given up 47 plays of 20 yards or more. Kyle Shanahan has got to be smiling like the Grinch reading that little statistical breakdown. The Bengals like to give up big plays. The 49ers like to create big plays. I believe the 49ers are among the league leaders in like yards per play on offense. As weird as that is to think of what they do and don't get done on offense. So in terms of through the air, the 49ers should be able to take advantage of the Bengals. But... They're also top five, the good part, the good top five, in rushing yards allowed, and they're in the top half of the league in yards per carry allowed and touchdowns. So you sum that up with 
The Bengals are pretty good against the run and pretty shitty against the pass. Guess what the Seahawks were? Pretty good against the run and pretty shitty against the pass. What do you think the 49ers want to do? Do they want to pass? Hell no. I almost said F no, but I don't want to take the the profanity too far. Eh, fuck it. Fuck no. (laughs) Sorry if you're with the kids. I'm sorry. Um... We're just having fun. The 49ers don't want to throw the ball. They have Jimmy Garoppolo. Kyle Shanahan probably drops one bead of sweat every time he calls a pass play. John Middlecoff. Guy Haberman. Probably my two favorite 49ers podcasters. Well, two favorite podcasts, sports podcasters. They're up there with my 49ers podcasters because I have some good friends over at Candlestick Chronicles, Chris, Beater and Kyle Matt, Kyle, Chris Biederman and Kyle Matson. Great people. If you're not listening to Candlestick Pod Chronicles, I don't know what you're doing. They're, they're, those guys are awesome. Very dry sense of humor, though. Be ready for that. That's, but, I mean, for me, that's, that's great because that's what I am. Anyways, John Middlecoff, Guy Haberman, two of the best podcasters, best content creators uh, I've I've ever watched. Uh, save it or shave it, shave it or save it. Uh, you got to check that out if you have not seen it. So those guys are just amazing. Two of the best sports talkers I've listened to in a long time. And I don't even remember why I brought this up now. Oh, he was talking, John Middlecoff was talking about the fact that anytime Jimmy Garoppolo throws the ball, and for that split second, you can't see where it's going because Jimmy Garoppolo usually throws short passes to guys that are in the camera frame already. But anytime he throws the ball and you don't know where it's going and the camera is having to pan over to the target, it's some of the scariest moments in 49ers football. Again, in the words of John Middlecoff, some funny shit. Anytime Jimmy Garoppolo throws far enough to where you can't see the target, you 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 sweat. And, and so does Kyle Shanahan. The 49ers do not want to throw the ball. They want to run the ball 40 times. But they didn't get to do that against the Seahawks because the Seahawks absolutely sold out to stuff the run. And they did. The 49ers only managed 25 runs at 2.8 yards per carry. And they were like, go ahead, Jimmy Garoppolo, do your best. And Jimmy Garoppolo's best was two touchdowns and two interceptions. And a a safety. Which wasn't really his fault, though. That sack happened really fast. Shout out to Tom Compton, who just got absolutely steamrolled. So the 49ers don't want to throw the ball. They want to run the ball 40 times, throw the ball maybe 20 times. Maybe. That's where the 49ers are. So that's why the Bengals' defense is sort of a problem for the 49ers. They're good at stopping the run. They're bad against the pass. That's cool, but the 49ers don't want to pass the ball. And then you kind of flip that, and you take a look at the 49ers' defense. We know where the 49ers' defense is vulnerable. We know that the the moment anybody starts tossing the ball around, you're like, eh. and you know, the Bengals are gonna toss the ball around. Let's go back to look at the Bengals. Now, the Bengals didn't play too great against the uh, 
against the Chargers. Chargers whooped up on the Bengals big time, 41-22. But Joe Burrow still threw for 300 yards and a touchdown. Did throw a couple of picks, though. T. Higgins, 138 yards. Tyler Boyd, 85 yards. Jamar Chase, 52 yards. Now, that's not even that's not even the game you need to look at. In terms of just pure statistics when it comes from the Bengals' offense, they're top 10 in passing yardage, yards passing, top 10 in touchdowns, passing touchdowns, top 10s in passing first down percentage. They're third in yards per attempt. They're fifth in completion percentage. They are a great unit through the air. Absolute unit, some would say. You've got Jamar Chase, who's caught 55 passes for 958 yards and eight touchdowns. A rookie, stud. T. Higgins, love him. 52 catches right behind him for basically 700 yards and four touchdowns. Tyler Boyd, another stud, 51 catches. So those those three receivers right there, 55 catches, 52 catches, 51 catches for 958 yards, 890, 698 yards, 556 yards, and 16 touchdowns between them. 14 touchdowns. That is firepower right there, folks. And then you got Joe Mixon, their running back, who's got 26 catches for almost 200 yards and a couple scores. CJ Uzama, their tight end, 33 catches for 351 yards and five touchdowns. They are tossing it around. That is that is a lot to handle. You got Josh Norman and Dante Johnson standing on the other side going, um, help. And so are 49ers fans. Like, that is your mismatch right there. The Bengals passing attack versus the 49ers secondary. Not trying to discount Jimmy Ward. Not trying to discount Squisky Tart. You know, Talanoa Hufunga's been decent. But they those are the safeties. They can only do so much. A lot of that's going to come down to the perimeter corners. And right now, that's Josh P.I. Norman. And Dante sticks around Johnson. <laughs> no offense to you NFL players. I'm not trying to discount the skills, but we already know what it is. So that is that is a tough, tough matchup. And the Bengals aren't a slouch on the ground either. Joe Mixon has 227 carries for 978 yards. That's a very respectable 4.3 yards a carry. And he has six touch, 12 touchdowns on the year. Damn. Like that is fire power. And then you got Joe Burrow, who's been playing great, man. He's completing almost 70% of his passes. He's over 3,000 yards already. His touchdown interception ratio is not great, 23 and 14. You know, he's kind of playing like a more, you know, a Jimmy Garoppolo with a bigger pair. You know, and he's obviously got a slightly better group to throw to. I say slightly better because the 49ers have a great group. But, you know, that is that is a serious offense against Josh Norman and Dante Johnson. Now, what's the one thing that could help that for the 49ers in that department? Nick motherfucking Bosa, who was just unbelievable. Eric Armstead, DJ Jones had a great game against the Seahawks. You know, it's, but can that group get home enough 
can that group get home enough to, you know, to, to change the tide, to take some of the pressure off the, you know, take some of the pressure off the, off the, off the defense, off those corners. I don't think so. You know, it's it just, they, they're good. They're good. Nick Bosa is great. Now let's talk about how great Nick Bosa has been. Nick Bosa is fourth in the NFL in sacks. He's got 12. I believe TJ Watt is 16th. So he's right there. He also leads the NFL in double teams. He's been double teamed more than any other pass rusher in the NFL, yet he's still fourth in sacks and only four off the lead. And he also has more tackles for loss than any other player. I believe he's tied with TJ Watt in tackles for loss. He also leads the league in sack yardage. I mean, hey, we'll throw it out there. So as great as Nick Bosa's done, he's not, he can't be, the, like I said, he's leading the league in double teams. Like he, he can't be the reason that, you know, the, the secondary is okay. The secondary is still going to have to have moments where they hold themselves down. And that is where I'm worried. So you've got a 49ers offense that's going to want to run the ball. The Bengals are good at stopping it. And, they, you know, will the 49ers have to turn through the air? We'll see. And if they do, the Bengals are vulnerable. But you also got Jimmy Garoppolo throwing the damn football. So we'll see how that goes. And then you've got the Bengals offense that has a phenomenal passing attack. From what I could tell, their sack numbers weren't horrible. But I couldn't, I couldn't bring it up, bring up the statistics in time. It's just something I thought about as I was talking to you guys. I don't know how vulnerable Joe Burrow and the Bengals' offensive line is to the Seahawks' defensive front, but that's going to be where the where the where the cookie crumbles right there because we know that secondary is no match for what the Bengals are bringing in terms of firepower through the air. No match. We know that one hundred percent. So it's all going to come down to. Fred Warner, Aziz Shire kind of making some plays they probably weren't meant to make. And that defensive front getting after Joe Burrow, second-year quarterback, making him feel uncomfortable. You know, it's it's going to be tough because it, it's tough to put it all on that defensive front. They've done what they needed, but, you know, like their, their first-round pick that was supposed to replace the likes of DeForest Buckner. And Javon Kinlaw, he's out for the season. They don't got that. D. Ford doesn't play, period. <laughs> I guess you could just leave it at that. You know, it's a group that was supposed to be great that's good. And they're trying to pick up the slack for everything kind of falling apart behind them. And it's just, it's tough. It's it's tough to do. It can, it can happen. But to me, the biggest mixed match of the game is the Bengals passing attack versus the 49ers secondary. And we'll see if that, that if the offense can keep pace. Bengals might suck through the air, but so does Jimmy Garoppolo. So that's why I asked the question, does a bad Jimmy Garoppolo game against a bad Bengals secondary get the Trey Lance talk moving forward to the point where Kyle Shanahan actually considers it? I don't know. Let's just leave you guys with that. I'm not going to give you any more of an answer, um, but it's just something to think about in terms of the future. Are we going to see Trey Lance before this season's up, even if the 49ers are still in the playoff hunt. Some interesting stuff. You know, if Kyle Shanahan turns to Trey Lance while the 49ers are still in playoff contention, then you know two things. One, he's got some faith in what Trey Lance can do. Two, Jimmy Garoppolo's pissed him off that much. So, all right, guys, that's it for this week. I appreciate y'all.
Uh, my no, you know, it should be all right. I'm running a. Uh, if you don't know what airsoft is, just check it out. Give it a Google. Running a huge airsoft game this weekend. 175 plus people up in the mountains of uh, of Central California, and um, I was wondering if I was going to be back in time to see the game, but I should be done in time to see the game, and I should be back on here uh, Sunday evening to break down the game. Hopefully, it's a positive one for y'all. Uh, I, I really hope that it was. Uh, the 49ers need it. They're right there in the playoff hunt, but they've got a lot around them. The Washington's technically in front of them at the sixth seed. They're six and six. 49ers are the seventh seed. They're seven, six and six. Eagles are right behind them at six and seven. Uh, the Vikings should now be six and seven uh, as well. I just haven't seen the Steelers score. I'm assuming they didn't do anything crazy because the Steelers just look like ass. So the 49ers, uh, they have no room to breathe. They've got to win these games. Um, they've got to beat this Bengals team if they want to stay in the hunt. And, uh, you know, hopefully when I'm coming to you guys on Sunday evening, it's a positive podcast, but no matter what, I'm going to come at you guys either way. Also this weekend, if you don't, if you, uh, if you watch formula one, I know not a lot of Americans do, but if you, if you don't watch formula one, check out drive to survive on Netflix, that might suck you in, uh, Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton are absolutely tied in points for the driver's championship with one race to go. One race to go. Imagine this is the same thing as if an AFC and an NFC team went undefeated and they met in the Super Bowl. I don't even know if that's mathematically possible. I'm sure it is. But that's what's happening in Formula One right now. Max Verstappen, Lewis Hamilton, all tied up in points heading into the last race. Um, It's going to be at like 5 a.m. on Sunday morning, so I could understand and that might turn you away. But if you want to check it out. I know I'm like... This is not a Formula One podcast, but goddamn, that's good shit. I appreciate you guys. Thank you for listening to Striking Gold. Thank you for making this podcast what it is. You're the the people that make it possible. Um, I appreciate you guys. Make sure you're out there listening, downloading the podcast, subscribing, spreading the word, leaving comments, whatever you guys do to support the podcast. I appreciate it. Love y'all. So for another episode, I'm Rob, and this is Striking Gold. We're signing out.